Well, folks, after a short hiatus, we are back, and this is your favorite uh, podcast hosts, uh, Mickey Baines and and Zach here. Um, I am actually in Booth Bay Harbor, Maine today. Um, if you remember, if you're one of our avid listeners, you know that Mickey and I are, are often on the road um, and recording from remote places. Um, my wife and I made the jump. We left our apartment in DC and we're officially Airbnb hopping. So yeah, learning, learning a lot and, um, excited to test out the sort of coming and go lifestyle that you Mickey, uh, know so well. Um, but, but yes, folks. Yeah, but see, see Zach, my lifestyle after this weekend goes on hold for about five to six months until it warms up before I get back out. So you get to go <laughs> on the journey. So, so we at least get to continue having these traveling conversations even in the winter. Yes. Uh, here's uh, here's to but, hoping. We'll see how long we last. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how long we last. Yeah. You know, but I'll say Booth Bay Harbor is a hidden gym. It's not hidden, but, you know, most people think, let's go to Bar Harbor. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Booth Bay Harbor, which Bar Harbor is great. You know, the National Park up there, fantastic. Love it. Would love to be there every year. But Booth Bay Harbor, a nice, quaint, lovely little beach town in Maine. Um, lots of boats and just beautiful views and sunrises. Uh, great, great place. So I'm, I was so excited to know that that's, that's where you are right now. Yes, yes. It is a beautiful uh, Hallmark-esque sort of town. Um, and we're soaking in those, uh, the days are short here now, but we're soaking in the sunrises and the sunsets and um, loving every minute of it. So, um, but with that, folks, we we welcome you to Fanatical Fridays. Our goal each week is to discuss the traits, the strategies, and the tactics that separate the best enrollment management teams from the rest of the pack. And like we mentioned early on, we uh, have been on a little break here, but excited to be back with you all. And uh, I'm really excited for this conversation because we're going to talk about some things that I think are especially pressing right now. Um, and one of those things is post-event communications. Uh, obviously, people have spent a lot of time in recent months talking about virtual events. And um, for those of you who are still able to do some form of in-person events, um, there's just, there's been a lot of buzz around how do you run effective event marketing, which is uh, something that's a, a cornerstone, really the, the bread and butter of most admissions teams strategies. How, how do you run successful event marketing in the era of COVID-19? Um, so we've talked a little bit about event marketing, and we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about how to kind of plan a great event um, or how to even uh, recruit prospective students for a great event, but really spend some time talking about what do you do once the event has happened. So Mickey, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about your thoughts on this, your experience with this, what you've seen, um, sort of maybe some wins and and not so wins from, from clients <laughs> or, or people in the space. How do you think folks are doing at post-event communications, and what are some tips, tricks, and uh, and strategies for how folks might be able to optimize their post-event communication comm flows better? 
So, uh, like you said, it's timely uh, because a lot of these events are happening now. And and before I jump in there, um, let me just I'll point out a couple of things I'm hearing uh, from schools that to me um, is alarming. And then let's talk about maybe a little bit why we need to think more carefully about the post event management. Um, I'm I'm hearing schools, especially and I'm I'm thinking schools that are working more closely with traditional age students right now. Yep. Um, but but we can say this can some of this uh, in a few minutes will also apply to non traditional students or graduate students. But you know, folks that are going that used to be on site at a high school, um, going and speaking to classes and meeting with students individually and going to the fairs, they at minimum had an opportunity to say, okay, hey, I'm talking to you. Here's my spiel. Um, fill out this card, give me your information and we'll follow up. We're not getting that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. We're not getting, we're getting zero names, right? That, that may be anywhere from 10 to 40% of your inquiry pipeline. Maybe not 40% if you buy names, but take out your bought names and look at how many names organically that came to you that you got. And now this year you get none. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. In fact, on top of that, at least I know if I went to this school, I may have spoken to 62 people and I got 15 cards. Yep. At least I have that in my mind. Now what I'm hearing schools tell me is they're speaking to sp- schools remotely through a Zoom and they have their video on, but the classroom does not have video on. So you don't even know how many people are in the room. So we don't have an idea of this large group of people. We don't know. Uh, how many folks we might be connecting with. I can't see faces to know who's engaged and who's not. Uh, there's there's a lot of unknown. And that, to me, if I am responsible for hitting a specific enrollment goal for next fall, I'm a little nervous because I don't have any idea what that means for my inquiry pool and if it's really on or off. And I won't know until the application season really kicks into full gear. I know it's open now, but until it kicks into full gear by December and by at that point, it may be too late. Yeah. And I had a uh, uh, an email exchange with a friend of mine um, this week, and you know, how's it going? You know, it's been a while since it's been since pre-COVID since we spoke, and you know, uh, enrollment this fall was down twenty eight percent, and we're just happy that's it. Yeah. I mean, it just like yeah. took my breath away. Like, yeah, mic drop. It, it yeah. Was down twenty eight, and we were happy with that. Um. You know, and and then let's just say that I, that's our scenario. And now I'm doing high school business, and I don't even know what our inquiry pool looks like for next year. Yeah, that's scary. So um, now let's let's turn it into something a little more positive. We, we're having events that in, in ways we haven't necessarily had before, uh, and, and whether we like it or not, that's our world at this point. Um, and that's why I think it's especially important to very carefully construct how we follow up with students post-event because we need to convert many more than we've converted in the past. Yeah. Our goal needs to be at minimum to convert many more. And the post-event communications we had with folks who came to a physical event need to be different than a virtual event because we don't know how engaged they were or weren't necessarily. Um, or, or we need to at least find better ways to know if they were engaged or not. And so I guess maybe before we talk post-event communication, let's talk about during the event. Yeah, please, please. If we're doing virtual events, you have one person speaking at a time, right? Uh, even if you have uh, a big event and you've got different rooms set up, where different groups are meeting on different topics at any given time. I think it's important to say, hey, this is an all-hands-on-deck event, uh, and if you are in admissions, you're attending this event. Um, I want you in a room, 
And if you're a recruitment person, I want you identifying in this prospect pool, who are these folks are your potential students? Who would, if they give, raise their hand and express interest or apply, if they are assigned to you, you need to know that. And this is an opportunity. And if you do have multiple events, kind of meeting rooms happening simultaneously, pop in and out. Um, have them pop in and out to try to find their prospects. Send them a chat, a chat message inside the tool. Um, hey, good to see you're able to attend, something along those lines. P ask them a question. Be sure that you're engaging with them to try to follow up. Take those take that time to do it. Now, I know some schools that, you know, you, you may have one counselor for every 3,000 prospects, you know, and that's a lot to manage. But what I'm finding in these virtual events, especially info sessions and the many open houses, we don't have 300 people there attending. We might have for a lot of schools, 10 to 50. Yeah. Um, and some may still have large ones, but say it's 50. Well, you know, if I'm a pro, unless it's geared just for my prospect pool, the likelihood of me having all 50 is pretty low. I may only have five or 10. So I'm just looking to see, I know who's signed up. I just need to see, okay, I've got 10 people signed up. I just want to check and see who's here and who's not. Send them a little note, connect with them, engage with them, let them know how you're going to follow up post event, even if that's an automated post event message. Yeah. If it's small, if and then let's talk about how we engage post event. You know, if you're having smaller events, 10 or 15, 20, 30 people, um, then what I would suggest is let's take our automated emails. If we want to, or maybe text, email, whatever it is, um, maybe have something that's a little more generic that goes out. But I want to create an automated task for each of my folks to engage with folks individually after that event. You did or you didn't attend. And if you did attend, I know I sent you a message and you may or may not have replied to that message in the chat. And therefore, I'm going to use that. And that's why I do a task rather than an automation, because I can base what I say on whether or not they attended. And if I sent them a message and whether or not they replied and engaged, because then I can take it a little further. You know, if I see that I have multiple sessions and they signed into the one that is uh, focused on scholarships, then I may send them a message to say, hey, I'll follow up with you after the event about scholarships. Let me know if you have other questions. Well, you know, that's my post event. Hey, I, I, you know, Zach, uh, so happy you were able to join us yesterday. I mentioned I would share our link for scholarships. Here are these scholarships and, and be sure you look at these particular scholarships because I think they might best fit you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Providing that step. But I think it's really important to dive in a little bit and to try to engage one-to-one, -one, even if that hasn't been our institution style in the past because of our size. But this is an opportunity with these smaller events to try and do that. Uh, and I think it's more important when we don't know what our true inquiry pool looks like um, at any given time. Or if we do know the size of the pool, a lot of it's going to be based on purchase names. And we don't know if we're engaging with those purchase names at the schools. Yeah. So I think it's really important to think about that uh, and doing it. Because, I mean, and let's just say, you know, we do acknowledge a lot of your inquiries in your pipeline right now may have been juniors and you got their name last year. Um, but we still don't know how engaged they are. And so I think that's really important to, to think about a, that you are identifying if they attend a virtual event. So that helps you identify their engagement level that they truly are engaged, uh, and that you're working with folks who've not engaged with you virtually to try and get them to, and then to personalize as much as you can, um, that connection after the fact to start building that relationship. 
we know a real email, one-to-one, a true one-to-one email, will do a better job than a one-to-many will in enhancing that relationship. Uh, and that's really important right now in this time uh, in this time of our recruitment cycle is to build those relationships and to work to get that student, to make them feel more comfortable about taking the next step for the application or whatever wherever it is in your cycle. But uh, I think that's really important. Yeah, and speaking of just, um, I know I said that we weren't going to talk too much about pre-event marketing strategy, but um, as you're talking, Mickey, a couple things come to mind, um, especially with respect to how do you actually get people to engage? How, like, how do you stand out in in one of these virtual event contexts? And um, one of the one of the things that I, I haven't seen a school do this. I'm sure that um, that there are some that have tested this out, but um, I was speaking with actually the the editor of Morning Brew's Marketing Brew newsletter yesterday and what she was saying um she was talking about virtual events in a different context and she said the best virtual event that she participated in she registered for um something like a couple weeks in advance and um 2 days before the actual event she received uh something in the mail and it was a little package and it had like a, a pair of branded earbuds um, it had like a snack or something. And then I think it had like, I think it was, a uh, uh, for some fairly notable fashion brand. And so there was like a, a custom like bracelet that they had made for her. It, it was a little extreme. Um, but what she said what was so interesting was that this, like having something physical, one reminded her that the event was coming up, even though she had seen a zillion emails about it and in, encouraged her and inspired her to actually attend the event. And so I was thinking, you know, how could schools do something? Again, you might not have the budget to be able to send custom, you know, bangles to all of the people that register for your event. But what what does it look like to actually maybe think a little bit about a, a really kind of personalized custom uh, direct mail or, or, or mail piece to, again, encourage people to actually participate in the event? Or to your point, Mickey, maybe this is part of your post-event marketing strategy is like, okay, hey, you know, we're going to try to follow up one-on-one, but then immediately we're going to take everyone that attended the event and or missed the event and we're going to send them a, a you know, postcard or something physical um, to thank them. And like literally... I feel like as a digital marketer, this is like the bad word, but like, I do think like it's worth really thinking about how might you be very strategic in incorporating something physical into your post-event communication strategy or your pre-event communication strategy, because so much of our time is spent uh, in, in sort of like the digital ecosystem today. So I don't know, I don't know what you think about that. I don't know, again, if that's just totally like ridiculous for, for most schools to consider, but I do think that there are, I do know, in fact, that there are, um, quite a few different tools that enable sort of on-demand, customized, personal, uh, follow-up communications via mail that folks might be able to take advantage of. So what, like, what do you think about that, Mickey? Is that, is that nice? Well, I think I think it's a great idea. I've I've been the recipient of one of those packages. Oh, really? By the way, oh please. Okay, yes. so talk talk to us about uh, it. Yeah. How, what was your experience so, like? So uh, it was it was for a virtual conference. So a little bit more than just a, a, a virtual info session. Maybe if you have a full event like open house type uh, um, event, maybe this is worthwhile for you. Um, but I got a whole pack, a, a welcome pack to the event, which I thought was so so cool. And in a virtual world, so I got a pair of PJ bottoms. Ah, there you go. That's fancy. Um, 
we got one of the, um, now this is, it's a lot. So let me just brace you. Um, we got one of the, um, those little, the light rings that you, you know, kind of put on with your video camera in the middle for, for video conferencing yes. to kind of add light to the situation, um, which is not great if you wear glasses, by the way, because you can totally see that reflection. But, um, but, and I'll come back to why I think that light ring is important because I, I wasn't presenting. Um, I got a little, like a little off, a little desk sign that says today will be awesome. I got cookies. Um, I got coffee. Wow. Um, uh, what else did I get? Um, a notepad, a pen and a coffee mug. All of this in this packet to prepare for the conference, which I thought was super cool to have. Um, a, it makes you feel pretty guilty if you don't attend after you signed up. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, now I did pay a little bit of money for, uh, for the event. So it's not as though, um, you know, they, they, we're wasting a lot of money on me in case I didn't show, but, uh, but I thought that was super and cool. And then with the ring itself, the light ring, um, they, we, everybody at one point in time, enterprise was online at that particular time. We took photos, um, like screenshots and, you know, you turn on your video and they take a screenshot of, which I thought was really cool, um, um, in terms of promoting the event during the event, post event, um, for, for the organization or you as an institution, if you're capturing those photos, wouldn't that be cool? Uh, folks lounging around, hanging out for a virtual day because, you know, when it's virtual uh, at a conference, you're not dressing the same way if you went to the event itself. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. it's a great way to chill and relax. Um, uh, and I thought it was pretty good. And I'll also say, um, speaking of this, uh, about the, the event itself, and this was a different virtual event I attended, a different virtual conference. I had two like back to back, but I thought it was really cool. Um, and I don't know if you got to attend much of the, um, HubSpot's inbound event, Zach, Yeah. but, um, for the concurrent sessions, what I really liked is most of them, um, were pre-recorded presentations that you played the video of, and then the speaker would be live after the 30 minutes for 15 minutes of question and answer. Yeah. Um, uh, it took away a lot of the, um, if you had technical difficulties, well, I mean, if you have it, it's one thing, but you don't have to worry about the speaker having technical difficulties because um, the the pre-recorded piece was playing for you, which I thought was really cool. And it worked so well. I had no technical issues there. Uh, and in most cases, the speaker was wearing the same outfit for the live Q&A as they did in the presentation. So ah, that's um, a nice touch. probably recommended for them yeah. um, to do that. But, but it also gives you an opportunity to practice what you say and get it right and get it recorded. And you also then have that content to use later if you need to. Um, but I don't, I'm just throwing it out there. I think those are really cool um, things that I experienced virtually um, this year. No, I love so that. And, and again, like I do think like, you know, there there was a great post that was going around LinkedIn by, I believe he's the CMO at Privy. I think he was at Drift before. Um, uh, his name's Dave Gearhart. I'm not sure. Oh, Gerhart. Gerhart. Thank Gerhardt. you. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Dave's a great guy. He's he is a, a he posts um fantastic uh content very consistently across Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, at least that's where I follow him and. Um, one of the things he, one of his recent posts was about like, Hey, you know, and this is a little bit talking to people like us, Mickey, and less to our, to our listeners here, but you know, let stop, stop trying to convince partners and vendors that there's just as much value in sponsoring or, um, contributing to, uh, whether sponsoring to an event or, you know, exhibiting at a particular session, if it's a, in a virtual context, like it's just not the same. Um, and, but what it was cool about what he was saying is like, look, 
rather than get upset or um, or defeated here or try and convince yourself that it's still going to be worth it, use this as an opportunity to to totally rethink your event communications plan. And I think for our listeners, like that's sort of what we're saying is like, look, we're, we're used to events looking like one way. We're used to being able to go and get those, uh, go to talk to 65 people, get those 15 postcards, sign up people saying that they're interested in, in more information later. Right. And being able to go back to campus and follow up from there now. Right. Think about that time. Think about that, the budget that it took to actually go to that event, uh, stay in the hotel, what, you know, add all of that up. Um, how do you now take that pool of money and think very, very differently about um, the event as a whole? And then again, for the purposes of this conversation, specifically the post event follow up. And I think one just way of doing that is to think about how can you send something physical? Um, how like that is, I think, actually, like, one of the best ways to stand out right now. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would love our listeners to kind of, uh, let us know what they think about this. Some things that they've seen work really well and, and not so well, but, um, you know, events, virtual events are not going away anytime soon. And I think we're, we're all kidding ourselves if, if, if we think otherwise. So I love events as much as anybody. Um, and I know that yeah. many of our listeners do too, but you know, now's the time to think. In fact, I was just having a conversation with, uh, a very well-known higher education association, um, at literally an hour ago. And they're thinking about, okay, how do we think differently about our conference now? And, you know, it's not till this in, it's in the spring, but you know, it's, it's in all likelihood, it's gonna, it's definitely gonna be at least hybrid. It probably will be fully virtual again. And they're trying to think radically differently about how to solicit sponsorships, how to present a fantastic experience to members and non-members and, it's it's a challenging time, but you know the the people that are willing to to you know really throw everything on the table and reevaluate. Okay, at the end of the day, what are we doing and why are we doing it? Those are the people that I feel like are going to be successful at as we sort of hopefully emerge from this this new reality in in the near future. Absolutely, absolutely. So and uh, so I guess I'll, I'll I'll just add a couple of things here. Um, as we, as we close there, if we take the opportunity to engage folks individually as part of our post event follow-up, I'm going to share my, my terms oh, not please. to use. Yes. All right. So, I'm excited so I about have this. five terms that I tell admissions folks never to use in our emails. And, and I'll give you a little context first. So if I'm emailing someone uh, as an admissions counselor, my job is to help build relationships. Um, relationships require um, more than one person to engage back and forth. Uh, and anytime, if I'm, if Zach, if we have a relationship as friends here, and I'm putting 100% of the effort into that, um, at some point, and you're putting nothing in really to, to create value to the relationship, at some point, I'm going to give up on the relationship and move on. I've yep. got other things to do. Time. We want to give back and forth. And so, you know, if I'm asking you to do something as part of the relationship, I'm always looking to see what I'm providing you a value to make that worthwhile. It doesn't necessarily have to be 50-50, but it can't be 90-10 all the time. Sure. And so as I think about, you know, how we as recruitment folks or in the business world, salespeople, you know, when we are working with someone who's moving from one stage in a process, whether it's an enrollment process or a sales process, you know, our job is to ensure that those folks are kind of getting through the process. And what happens when someone gets stuck? We want to send them an email that says what? What do you think it says? 
what do those emails say to, that you send, Zach? If you're following with a, with a client that you spoke to a couple of weeks ago, it said they were going to do X, Y, or Z, and they haven't. What do you normally say in those emails? Just following up or uh, There you go. That's one back. of the terms. <laughs> That's one of the terms. If I'm following up with you to get the information I need, I'm not providing you value. Yep. I just want you to tell me what, why you haven't taken that next step. Yep. And so terms I get rid of because they're not natural, in most cases, natural relationship terms. Now, I had one person argue with me heavily and um, showed, showed me her actual cell phone once to show that she, with texting with friends, used one of these terms naturally. I'm like, well, if you use it naturally, use it naturally. But if you don't, it comes across as a salesy term. Yep. Following up is one of them. Circling back? <laughs> uh, well, close. Actually, maybe I should add, it, uh, add that to it. I, I'm checking in. Ah, yes. Yeah, that's better. That's 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 more yep. common. I'm I'm reaching out. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and the next and the last one, I'm touching base. Yep. Yeah. Right, now that's four, right? Those terms, you tell me or you think for yourself, how often do you use or have someone use those terms with you in a true relationship way and not in a sales way? Yeah. If almost, we want to tell someone that never. this is formal and I just want to know that you're where you are and moving forward in my process. I use those terms. Yep. But if I really want to um, be in touch with a friend um, that I've not heard from, you know, I don't usually use the term. Now, occasionally, if I haven't heard from them, not necessarily I'm waiting on an action from them, I might use one of those terms. But that's not normal and normal term we use as with with folks we have a good relationship with. I don't um, email or check in um, with my wife. I'm just checking in, just yeah. following up. Yeah. Or with my kids, I'm not reaching out to see if they've done their homework. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, and I do get a lot of times uh, questions from folks saying, well, what do I use instead? And a lot of times I'll just say in these communications, what, what is the sentence like if you just take that term out? And in using my example, I just used, I don't reach out with, to my daughters to see if they've done their homework. I just say, have you done your homework? Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Sarah, I'm curious. It is 7:50 at night. Um, have you started your homework? I don't yeah. say, Sarah. Uh, uh, it's 7:50, so I'm reaching out or I'm checking in to see if you've done your homework. No, have you done your homework? Just take the term out. And most times, it actually will work, or with a very slight modification. And then there's one other term I don't use, um, and it is a term I will use with my wife and my children. But it's because the level of relationship I have with them, um, I use that. But Zach, we don't know each other very well. Uh, well, we know each other well, but not like well, well. So I'm sure, not going sure. to tell you, Zach, I love you. Yeah. I'm not, love is a word I am just a little cautious to use. We're not at that point in our relationship where I, where we're going to drop the L word. Yep. Yep. Right. So that's when I hold back because sometimes that comes across as a little desperate, you know, and, and to, to use the relationship analogy, the, the, the dating relationship analogy is no one wants to be the first person to use the L word. Yeah. We're always afraid to be right because it shows how deeply committed we may be. Uh, and I know that's a little bit of an exaggeration maybe here, but I'm just careful. You know, if you if you think back to the times you've been on a date and you go out on a date, maybe this is I'm dating myself here. You get home and you already have a voicemail for the person of the date. That's a little much. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you introduce that L word, everything. Oh, I'd, it'd be great if you could do this. Look forward to talking to you soon. Love Mickey. Like, uh, but uh, I would love to have you join us. Yeah. I would love for you to try to get this application on time. That's, that's a bit much. And sometimes it comes across a little desperate yep. and it can impact our ability to build a relationship with that person. So, you know, if we can find those types of terms 
that come across salesy or just to be a little too forward, we, if we can remove those, we might reduce the impact it has on our ability to build a relationship with our prospects. And in a time when that matters even more than ever, now's the time to think about it. I love that. And I think that that's, those are very practical takeaways for our listeners today. And to summarize sort of what I hear you saying um, is when you're sending any sort of follow-up communication, um, making sure that before you hit that send that you have created additional value or you've added yes. value to the conversation. And I think that there are a couple of people uh, that do this, a couple of brands at least that are courting me that have done this well. And a quick example here is, you know, you get, you get people, I get people reaching out to me all the time saying, Hey, we'd love to help you with your SEO. And we'd love to help you with, you know, your digital marketing and blah, 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 blah. Or, Hey, we'd love to do a website redesign for you. And there's this one company who sent, you know, I, I received sort of a traditional sales email from, and then their follow-up was, Hey, I went ahead and ran your website through SEM rush. And here's what I discovered you have X number of keyword uh, opportunities on the second page of Google. Here's where you rank. And it, they literally took a screenshot from SEM Rush. And as an SEM Rush user myself, I could, you know, uh, vouch that it was that it was credible. Um, and he mm -hmm. said, just just wanted to let you know, here are a couple blog post ideas I have that you might that would help you uh, move the needle on on winning um, uh, or securing a higher rank for these particular keywords. And he threw out like three blog post ideas for me. Like I yep. responded to him and I said, look, dude, totally not interested in your services. Cause we do this. Um, thanks for calling me out and, and showing me where we need to improve on, on our own sites. Um, but I just want to commend you because this is exactly the kind of communication that I want from salespeople. So, you know, thank yes. you. And I mean, yes. that's an example, his follow, he wasn't just, you know, following up or circling back to see if I received his previous communication, he literally went. And again, I know that this took him five minutes. Like it's not like it has to take that long. Um, yep. but that communication got my attention because it added value. Provided value, right? And it's someone you don't know. And that value they provided was great enough to get you to reply, exactly. even though you're not interested. Even yep. though you're not interested, right? So that that's what we're talking about. How can we provide value? And when you follow up to see if someone's done something, you know that's not value. But saying, um, you know, uh, an email, Zach, thanks for attending yesterday. I told you I'd send you this link. Don't forget the deadline for this scholarship is next Tuesday. That's value. Yep. Yep. Versus, it, I'm following up to see if you filled out that scholarship application. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, I think that there's, there's so much opportunity, especially for schools that, um, are more high touch and that's sort of their unique value proposition. You might not be able to, you know, beat out the, the school down the street with, with marketing spend, or they might have a, a CRM that's 10 times better than yours. Um, but right. The way to beat out the competition, if, if sort of the, 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 uh, high touch sort of personal relationship thing is, is sort of your core competence as a, as a university, um, is, right to in every communication ensure that you're reducing friction and adding value if you do that time and time again at, at the very least like going back to my example right the guy knows hey like zach appreciated my sales email he's just not interested he can like remove me from his pipeline now right like how many yes. times are people following up wondering i don't know like i don't know where zach is at i've sent him six emails he hasn't responded so he could still be a, you know an active inquiry like i, I don't know 
you know, it, sometimes you can write communications, and even if you get a negative response or a response that says, "Hey, I'm no longer interested," that's helpful in and of itself as well. So you can stop bugging the poor guy. That's what right. The thing is with with the counselors, uh, and, and I'll say this for salespeople too: that in this scenario, um, we're afraid of that answer. Yeah, yeah. We don't. We're that's afraid good. Good. to find out. I'm not interested. Yeah. You know, and because we're afraid to find out that someone's not interested, we don't ask that question or push them that way to kind of give us. But realistically, what we want to do so that we can continue to provide high touch is whittle down to know who are the right people to give us the high touch. And having someone feel comfortable telling us that I'm not interested, that means you had the relationship where you needed to have it. Because if they don't tell you and you keep reaching out to them over and over and over, you're wasting time and they're not going to come either way. They just don't feel comfortable yet telling you that. But when they do tell you, that is your indicator that you built the right relationship even though they said no. I love it. I think that there is, there's a lot here. Um, we'd love to see some examples from folks and, and happy to sort of provide some uh, thoughts and, and sort of strategic feedback on how you might be able to, how uh, you might be able to improve your communications um, if you're struggling for for ideas on how to do so and this podcast wasn't sufficient please reach out to us and and we'd be happy to to give you some additional pointers but thank you Mickey. send us a sample email yes send, send us, us a, a sample, sample email. email yes I'll, I'll give feedback yes yes that would be fantastic um but thank you sir as always for your time and we, we will be back with you all next week with another episode of fanatical fridays Thanks for listening.